This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, every year around this time, we have the delightful pleasure of speaking with the incoming Toastmasters International President, and this year is no exception. Ryan, can you please take the honor of introducing our special guest? Of course, Greg. Joining us from Coral Springs, Florida is, as you said, the 2022 to 2023 International President of Toastmasters International Distinguished Toastmaster, Matt Kinsey. Matt is the Managing Director and Chief Information Security Officer of IT Fusion LLC in South Florida. Matt holds a master's degree in computer information systems from the University of Phoenix, Arizona. As a Boy Scout volunteer for 25 years, he's held numerous positions within the organization, including Scoutmaster, District Chairman, Event Chairman, and the Council's Camping Chairman. A Toastmaster since 2003, Matt is a charter member of his home club, Outspoken Toastmasters in Coral Springs. International President Matt Kinsey, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here. When I was preparing for this interview, I did, of course, what everybody else has done. Go to the Toastmasters website and, of course, Google you. And what popped up was the headline, Outspoken Toastmaster Matt Kinsey, named President-Elect of Toastmasters International. I just had such a chuckle. And I was thinking, well, first of all, aren't all Toastmasters outspoken? And then I realized that outspoken was the name of your club. So tell us a little bit about your club. And I guess it's a true family affair. (laughs) Well, yes. So my wife and I started Outspoken Toastmasters in 2011. And it's been a fabulous run. When we were trying to come up with the club, a couple of things happened. One was we had several people go, well, we've got too many clubs in your city. We can't support another club in your city. We had a club that was sponsored by the city government at the time. We had a club that met in the mornings. We had two clubs that met in the evening, but there were no lunch clubs. So we intentionally decided to start a club that met over lunch. And then we thought about what would be needed for a club that meets over lunch. We decided to get a club that focused on business people. One of the big challenges is what do you name a club? And we came up with the name Outspoken. And this was not just my wife and I, this was a group decision for two reasons. One is we encourage people to be outspoken, to speak up and have their voice heard. And the second one, which is a little more nuanced, is the point of Toastmasters is not to become a great speaker in Toastmasters. It's to get outside of speaking. So we wanted people who are out speaking in the community. So that's where the dual meaning of outspoken Toastmasters Club comes from. That's pretty awesome. Now, going even a little bit further back, many of us were lured into Toastmasters with our favorite treats. In my case, it was copious quantities of caffeine. Now, in trying to get to know you just a little bit better, what carrot brought you into this fine organization? And what was it that first made you decide to embark on the journey that you're now on? I was working at Office Depot's corporate headquarters, which at the time was in Delray Beach, Florida. And somebody else in the IT department came up to me and invited me to visit this club called Toastmasters because they worked on public speaking. My first thought was, 
I was in high school speech and debate. I was in college speech and debate. I was a minister for two years. I'm okay on the platform. I don't need to worry about this. And then probably three or four months later, she came back up to me again with a flyer and said, hey, we're serving free food. Come check out Toastmasters. I said, that works. I'll go have lunch on them. And what's the worst that can happen? I went in and I'll be honest with you, the speaker did not really impress me that much, but the evaluation did. The evaluation was what turned it around because I knew I had two specific challenges I was working on in my career at that time. And one was the ability to receive positive feedback. I was very dismissive of it because of the environment I grew up in. Positive feedback was rare. And I'm not scarred by it. It's just that's the household I grew up in. You know, you really had to do something extraordinary to get positive feedback. And because of that, I was also very unskilled in presenting positive feedback. I was really good at finding every flaw in your idea, in your performance, but I wasn't good at providing ongoing positive feedback. And I knew because of some incidents at work that those were both things I needed to work on. And that's why I ended up joining. Wow. Now, in your interview with the Toastmaster magazine, which listeners can find in the September 2022 issue, something else that I found surprising is you called your election loss for international director back in 2014, one of the most important things that ever happened to you. So Matt, I'd like to know, why did you count that loss as a gain? Emotionally, after that loss, I did not feel good. It, it hurt. Getting 34, 35% of the vote in a two-person race doesn't feel good. A couple of things happened. One was I had a significant number of members come up to me and say, Matt, please run again. And that was a confidence boost. And I think that's what we do in Toastmasters, where we see something in someone, we want them to continue to develop that. And so we give them encouragement to continue to work on that. So that was part of it, that it was just a confidence boost that members weren't rejecting me so much as they were accepting the other candidate in many cases. And the second thing, which was more important, was the reflection. Reflection requires separation. I started reflecting on the election results immediately. And I was asking people, what could I do better? What could I have done differently in my campaign? And I did not get a lot of good feedback at that point. A year later, when I asked them again, oh, did I get good feedback? And so they needed more time to process it. And they also realized that I needed more time to process it. So I had to have some separation from the event in order to really reflect on it. But the reflection's important. But the next thing I had to do was take action. Despite some of the behaviors I had shown, I had been successful. I had moved through multiple elections, contested elections at the district level. And all of a sudden, my opportunities to improve the way I came across to people, the way I performed, got in my way. And I remembered something that one of my high school coaches used to tell me. And he used to say, Matt, for whatever it is that you're good at, it's going to be harder for you to be great at that because it comes too easy. And I had had things come easy and all of a sudden now it wasn't easy. And so that reflection 
And then the action on those items I needed to work on really propelled me. And two years later in Washington, D.C., in 2016, I was elected with a significant majority. But then what I found was that process I went through became a habit. And it wasn't just, oh, I had a loss, let me reflect on it. It was, I had a win, let me reflect on it. Uh, I'm not sure where we're going here, let me reflect on it. Did that conversation go the way I wanted it to? Let me reflect on it and take action as appropriate without getting bogged down in it, but seeing what I can learn from every interaction and it became habitual. And I think that's why, because it wasn't the growth from 2014 to 2016 wasn't what made me able to be elected to the executive committee. It was the growth from 2014 to 2019 continuous. And that process has continued and it continues to this day. And I anticipate it's just become a lifelong habit for me. Mm. Now, Matt, you mentioned in the article about your discovery of heart-led leadership versus head-led leadership. I'm wondering if this process that you went through between 2014 and 2016 had something to do with it. And if it did, maybe if you can explain what these concepts are and how you came across them. Because of the environment I grew up in, because of my success with intellectual pursuits, my default space when I was challenged was to get into my head and think of results and think of objectives and use logic to try to get myself out of a situation or try to convince somebody that my point of view was worth considering. In a conversation with a past international president who had had some interaction with me, I asked her for some advice and she, she started talking and she was talking about, you know, people need to get out of their head and into their heart. And I was taking notes and I kind of said, okay, uh-huh. And she goes, Matt, put the pencil down. Listen to me. You need to get out of your head and into your heart. And as I explored that, what I realized was, look, head is important, Okay. The, the ability to think through an issue and the ability to focus on results, that is critically important. The ability to lead by example is also important. But my experience, especially in Toastmasters, because we're a relationship organization, is you need to start with your heart. You need to start with the connections that you have with those on your team. Start with getting to know people and understand what motivates them, what drives them, what are they wanting to achieve? Because we get results in Toastmasters through the efforts of people and, and really any leadership opportunity. It's the efforts of people on the team who make things happen. And if I understand them and have a relationship, a healthy working business relationship with them, then I can support them more effectively in achieving the team's mission. So it's not that the team's mission doesn't matter. It's that I found the only way I can be successful is if I start with my heart, even though I have to use all three at different times, I need to start with the heart and make sure that that is set up well so that we can succeed. Matt, I'd like to invite you to reflect for a moment to when you first began exercising this new heart-led leadership style. Did it feel like you were going against your nature and just practicing this new way on faith from your mentors, despite your better judgment? Or did it feel like when you tried that new approach on that, aha, 
now I've found what I've previously been missing. Or maybe it was none of those. I'd love to hear it in your words. I think there's truth in both aspects. There were times certainly where it was very uncomfortable and I had to remind myself, okay, hold on. Let's, let's talk to the person first and the objective second. And that was uncomfortable because I'm a very direct communicator generally. And I, I tend to get right to the point. And the point of the conversation was, how's this project going? What are the results? Is this new club going to start? What can we do to turn this club around? And I would have to remind myself, let's focus on the people first. But then over time, I realized it was just, it, it was becoming part of my DNA, so to speak. It was just becoming part of who I was and the way I approached things. I just became much more comfortable. Now, I, there are times where I still have to remind myself. When I am under stress, when I'm under pressure, if I'm having a bad day, there are times where I still have to remind myself, step back, because my natural tendency is to drive towards results. I'm a get-or-done kind of guy. So I still have to remind myself to focus in on people first at times, especially when things aren't going well, when we're not getting the results that I would like. That's something I've shared with other members of the executive committee, that if you see me focusing on this, just give me a reminder. They'll focus on the people. And, and I think that's a, a strength as a leader to be able to admit that and to be able to accept the, the observations of others as to how you can perform better. Matt, as I hear you talk about this focus on results, I wonder, do you believe that heart-led leadership can achieve the same results as a purely results-driven approach? Or could it be that the heart-led leadership involves a necessary compromise on driving results in the name of a healthier culture long-term? You know, I think that's a great topic for a doctoral dissertation. <laughs> you could spend hours on that subject. I don't see them as exclusive. What I found is the most effective leaders learn and use judgment to determine when do I need to operate out of my heart, when out of my hands, and when out of my head, and recognizing that they're all important. But you've got to look at results, I think, in a holistic way. If your district is distinguished or smedley distinguished at the end of the year, and the three trio members aren't willing to sit down and have lunch together and have a civil conversation, that is not a success. As we're recording this, you know, we're finalizing the district results for the previous year. And the numbers in a lot of ways don't look good. We're probably going to have the fewest distinguished districts we've had in years. And it would be easy to look at that as failure. I look at it with concern. How can we turn district performance around? But I also know the stories that are told. I know the individual who appears as going to finish just short of becoming distinguished because she, as a club growth director, made a decision to not turn in a club charter because she wasn't convinced the club was going to be sustainable. That's a success mm. because that's putting her ethics over results on a piece of paper. 
So I think we have to have a holistic approach to success. I would much rather have somebody miss like this club growth director is going to do potentially by just a few membership payments than to have chartered that club and lose it in six months. Matt, I'd like to read a quote from the interview that you did with the Toastmaster magazine. You said, we need inspiration right now. We need focus. There are so many distractions. We need courage, not just on my part as president, but courage on the part of the board and our region advisors and our district leaders. Now, I'd like to know, what were you pointing to with these words? What is there about this unique point in time for the organization that makes these particular qualities that I just quoted you on the ones that are necessary for this moment? Inspiration to me, if you look back at the Latin root, the best translation means to breathe life into. And that's a really powerful concept, I think. Why do I think we need inspiration? Because district leaders over the last few years, I've talked to so many who have lost hope that they could become successful by the district recognition program. And perhaps because of that, their effort went down. We need people to feel that they can be successful, that there are models out there because with our performance over the last three years, the number of people who've experienced success is much lower than it's been historically. So we need people to believe that they can be successful. And that's part of my job as the international president. That's part of the job of the region advisors is to inspire people that there is hope that they can achieve the goals that they've set out. I think the second area that I'll talk about is, is courage. And what do I mean by courage? Well, courage is a concept that I think we need to look at because our way forward is not our way back. Where we were in March of 2019, when the pandemic was declared three years ago, March 2020, is not where we're at today. We're never going back to 99% of our clubs meeting in person. This hybrid environment, this online environment is here to stay. And we have to embrace that. And that's going to require courage to look at the way we've done things historically and, and to change them as appropriate, to embrace this new world that we are living in. And it's going to continue to change. So it's not going to be enough to say, well, that's the way we've always done it. Why can't we get back to in-person meetings like we've had? And yes, our, our future is composed of in-person meetings. It's composed of online meetings and it's composed of hybrid meetings where we've got elements of both in-person and online. And we have to embrace that as members. We have to embrace that as clubs and on the board of directors. So focus and distractions, they go together. I've mentioned my cycling career, and I was in a race early in my career. And my job at that time was a lead-out man for the sprint. What that meant is I was up in the train of cyclists, and my job was to get our sprinter up to 400, 300 meters to go. And then I would pull off so the sprinter would have a chance to win the race. I was the last person who would pull off before that. So we're coming down the stretch 
And out of the corner of my eye, I see, honestly, the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And I looked at her and all of a sudden, 30 cyclists, including myself, were on the ground <laughs> because I caused a crash. And afterward, my team captain, well, as you can imagine, he wasn't real happy with me. And he comes out to me and goes, well, Matt, that was, that was pretty bad. And I said, yeah, it was pretty bad. I was a little sheepish. She goes, was she worth it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I had to think about it. Here's a woman that I saw for two seconds out of my eyes, never seen her before, never seen her since, don't know her name, never spoke to her, but I got distracted and I took my team out of potentially winning the race and about 25 other people. Distraction means you're out of action. Our focus at Toastmasters, if you're a member, your focus is on your goals and achieving your goals and contributing to the club while doing so. If you're a club, your focus is on a supportive and positive experience where all members get the opportunity to develop their communication leadership skills. If you're at the district, your focus needs to be on the district mission of starting new clubs and helping all clubs achieve excellence. At the board and the international level, our focus is on moving the organization forward on our strategic plan. And there's a lot of opportunities to get distracted and take us out of action. So for the leaders out there, please examine the actions you're taking and say, how does this help us achieve our mission, my personal mission, the club mission, the district mission, our mission as an organization. And if you can't find the linkage pretty quickly, have the courage to ask yourself, should I be doing this? Should the district be doing this? Should our club be doing this? And if I'm the leader and it's not directly tied to the district mission, maybe it's a good idea for the district to do it. But should I be the one doing it or should I find someone else to take that on so that I can focus on the mission? One of the things I've always heard, and this is a rule in cycling, is the leader protects the mission. The team protects the leader. So the leader's job is to protect the mission of the board of directors, of the club, of the district, whatever organization you're in. If you're the leader of that organization, your primary responsibility is to the mission of the organization. So that's why I say, you know, we've got to focus on our mission and avoid distractions. And there are so many of them out there. So you talked about protecting the mission, being able to accomplish the mission with that. Perhaps, could you just briefly sum up your vision for this particular year? You know, my vision for this year is that we begin to grow again. We've suffered three years of contraction, three years of extraordinary amounts of effort on the part of our district leaders and our club leaders, often without the recognition that they would have gotten in the past because membership has been down and we've lost clubs. That's hard as a leader. And my vision is to have a record number of our club leaders and district leaders getting the recognition that they so richly deserve for the efforts they're putting in on the behalf of the members of the organization, on behalf of our board of directors, on behalf of the mission of Toastmasters International. 
And so I want to see just record numbers of people getting recognition for the work that they've done. And there's a number of ways we can provide recognition. But I'm talking specifically here about our our traditional recognition programs, our district recognition program, the Distinguished Club program. I want to see significant increases in the number of people being recommended in each of those. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, but we need to give people hope and we need to give them success because success builds on success, builds on success. And all of a sudden it becomes a habit. I've talked to a lot of district leaders this year and heard many of them say, hey, you know, we had a really rough year. I think we can get Smedley distinguished this year. And I love that enthusiasm. And I look at it and I say, but your district hasn't been distinguished in in three years, in five years. Why not put a plan together to be distinguished for the next three years? To me, that's equally significant. As an organizational leader, I would much rather see distinguished, 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 and occasionally Smedley presidents rather than nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, Smedley distinguished. And then back here, there's no recognition. Let's build on success in that. Excellence in Leadership Award for the district director for three years consecutive is distinguished is an important recognition for us to get sustained success. My vision this year is really to let's change the momentum of the organization and get back into a growth mode because we have a program that matters. People change their lives through what they learn in Toastmasters. They change the trajectory that they're on for the better. And I talk to so many members, hundreds, maybe thousands of members who will tell me my life is better today because of Toastmasters, because of what I learned, because of an evaluation I received, because of a setback I had and I reflected on it. My life is better today. And so what we do on a day-to-day basis, it matters tremendously to this world because it helps people develop self-confidence, genuine self-confidence to face the challenge. It's not going to be easy all the time. There are times we're going to wake up and go, I don't know how, but I know what I've been through. So I know that I can put the people together and together we can figure out how to overcome this challenge. And that only comes from genuine self-confidence. And that's probably more important for many of our members than learning communication skills, than learning leadership skills. Those are our tools that we use to help people gain in their own self-confidence so that they know they can face the challenges the world is going to throw at them. Now, what's one thing that every member who's listening to this can do to help elicit this vision, to bring it into life that you just so beautifully shared with us? Invite people to attend a meeting. And notice how I said that. I said, invite people to attend a meeting. So often I see people trying to convince somebody to join Toastmasters before they've even been to a meeting. There is an inexplicable quality in Toastmasters that has to be seen, that has to be experienced. When the meeting is run well, 
people see what Toastmasters can do for them, and then they can make a decision. When we try to convince them to join before they've even seen a meeting, all we're doing in my experience is giving them reasons to say no. The benefit is, is in how you feel. And that only comes from the experience of being in the meeting. So your job as a member is to get somebody to one meeting. And if every member of our organization brought one person to a meeting and 20% of them joined, imagine what our numbers would look like. 30%, 50%, even just a small percentage increase. If every member did that, and I know we have members who bring in dozens of visitors, and please continue to do that, but not every member has brought in a visitor this year. So if every member could bring in at least one, that'd be somewhere around 260,000 people getting exposed to Toastmasters this year. It'd be incredible. And if you're meeting wow. in person, offer up a little... Food. Oh, food. Past <laughs> international director, Paul Munier from Region 8, who I met when I was an area governor in 2006 and seven. he said, food rules. <laughs> and I've always remembered that. And I believed him instantly because it's what got me into my first meeting. That's a great t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking about food, I'm thinking about fun times. And on that note, Matt, I'd like to ask you, what are some of the ways you like to spend your time when you're not Chief Information Security Officer or not working within the Toastmasters community? Well, I enjoy my Boy Scout experience leading my son's troop so much that I'm still involved, even though he's been out of the program for 14 years. Now, he's still involved as an adult leader. Uh, so I enjoy camping. I enjoy hiking. I'm not much of a hunter, but I do enjoy camping and hiking and being outdoors. As I've mentioned already, I love cycling. That is one of my big passions. I just passed 250,000 miles or almost 400,000 kilometers on a bicycle over my lifetime. Wow. So that's something that's a huge one. I read a lot. I've usually got three books going on. And I also write poetry. So that's something I enjoy, kind of mythos-type poetry. So I like doing fables, not epic poetry, you know, on the, on the lines of the Iliad or Homer's Odyssey, but mm. more along the lines of short mythological-based stories. So I, I wrote one about the Thunderbird, which is a indigenous group of beliefs about the Thunderbird mostly in the Southwest United States. So I wrote one about that. Wow, fascinating. Matt, first of all, thank you so much for sharing so generously with us from both your head and your heart today. And before we let you go, share with us one more thing, and that is if listeners would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to get in touch with me for a one-year period, it is interpresident, I-N-T-E-R, president, at Toastmasters.org. As of my inauguration in August, those emails will come to me, but they can also email me directly at mkinsey, my first initial and last name, at Toastmasters.org. I will reply to your email generally within 48 hours. If I'm away on a camping trip, I might not have access, so I might not get back to you always within 48 hours, but generally 
I try to get back to any member who's emailed me within 48 hours. Thank you very much for that, Matt. Now, folks, if you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have, I encourage you to share this episode. You can find the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org, Google, Apple, Spotify, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to read President Kinsey's Viewpoint, which will appear every single month in the Toastmaster magazine and also in the September issue Laura Mishkind's article, Meet Matt Kinsey. Once again, International President Matt Kinsey, thanks again for coming on the show. And we wish you the best of success and wish the entire organization everything that it takes to bring your beautiful vision to life. Well, thank you, Greg and Ryan, for all of your, you are doing as well to keep the Toastmasters vision alive with your podcast. I appreciate your efforts. Thank you. Isn't it about time you publish that book you've been thinking about? We can help with that. At ebookit.com, we've been providing authors and small presses with ebook publishing services since 2010. Visit us today at ebookit.com and let us know how we can help you.